My name is Dan, and I am weird. But I don't see weird as a bad thing, though. Being weird just means you march to the beat of a different drum. You don't fit that mold that society wants to shove you into. I'm out searching for people like me. The weirder, the better. This is my story. These are their stories. This is the power of weird. This episode of The Power of Weird is brought to you by the Rosemary Run novel series, published by Standards of Starlight Books. Follow the women of Rosemary Run, California, as they face the darkness hiding beneath their community's picturesque facade. The stakes are high, and the twists and turns will keep you on the edge of your seat when you read these emotional, pulse-pounding, domestic suspense novels with characters who always show up for each other when it counts. Find out more about the Rosemary Run series, as well as other Standards of Starlight novels at standardsofstarlight.com or by following the link in the description below. Hello everybody, and welcome to The Power of Weird. My name is Dan, and I'm your host. A little bit about me. I'm 37 years old, I'm 6 foot 7 inches tall. In my adult life, I've weighed as little as 295 pounds and as much as 640 pounds. I'm sometimes too smart for my own good, but at times in personal relationships, I'm also pretty clueless. <laughs> I've been a vegetarian since 2001, and I also don't drink coffee. I'm a sought-after brand designer and leadership coach and the co-founder of a lightsaber combat program. I'm also a dad to a great 17-year-old kid and a proud uncle to three nephews, 21, 18, and 9, and three nieces, 15, 14, and 12. What's probably more interesting about me, though, is that I'm an autistic entrepreneur and business professional. A book that I read in my early 20s changed my life forever. It was called The Secret of the Shadow by an author named Debbie Ford. In this book, Debbie talks about the things that we sometimes are embarrassed about ourselves, bringing them into the light and making them work for you. Creating your own special recipe with the ingredients that only you have to make a difference in your life and in the world. At this point in my life, I already knew I was weird, but I didn't know about my diagnosis. I've tried to accomplish the mission she set out for me in this book every day since. I'll leave a link to the book in the description below. Part of that mission was to make this podcast. Finding other people who are weird or different, or who don't fit in, and who are living their best lives because of it. Through interviewing them and telling their stories, I hope to learn more about myself, and that everyone listening does the same. Today I share my conversation with artist, advocate, and mental health professional, Emily St. Amant. Emily is the Senior Clinical Director for PsychHub, the world's most comprehensive multimedia platform for mental health education. She's also an old friend. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The Power of Weird. I am so excited to have my uh, guest that's going to be on with us today. This is somebody I've known for a very long time. Um, I've always said that you have to be very, very careful with the uh, with the little quiet ones because they're going to sneak up on you and do big things. And um, this is definitely what happened with this person. I'd like to welcome the Senior Clinical Manager for Psych Hub, Miss Emily St. Amand. Emily, how are you? It is so good to see you. Hey, it's so good to be here. I'm doing great. Thank you so so much for having me. I'm so excited to, to join today. It's such a privilege. And also, um, just thank you for all you're doing to just share people's lived experience and build that sense of community for other people. So I appreciate that. It's, uh, sure. it's something that I feel, uh, I, you know, anybody who listen, has listened to the beginning part of my podcast knows there was a book I read when I was in my early 20s that kind of was basically says, you know, take all of your crazy, <laughs> put it all in a pot, mix it up, and then, you know, whatever you come out 
out with, you know, find a way to be able to make the world a better place with it. So yeah, this is yeah. an extension of that I've wanted to do for a long time. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very grateful to have such great quality um, people that I know, and then others, some that I don't know that, I, you know, are getting in touch and that kind of thing, but be able to uh, have so many wonderful people who have such vastly different experiences, but are uh, steering into the skid, as I like to say, to kind of live their best life. And um, man, girl, you are killing it right now. <laughs> you really are. Thank you. Thank you. So, Sometimes it just doesn't seem that mm-hmm. way, you know, so it's interesting outside looking in, you know, and sure. like, I feel like, you know, um, I, th- I think that's true for a lot of people, you know, their day in, day in and day out reality, uh, mm-hmm. people that are even very successful um, or efficient, effective, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes, I think, sure. for a lot of people. Yeah. So I had an experience, and, and um, the reason I bring this up is you, you talk about, uh, or you, you have said about how you had a major formative experience that led to your career in mental health. Right. Um, I actually, something that a lot of people don't know about me is I actually was really serious about potentially being like a medical practitioner, like a doctor, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as, as a kid, I was always, you know, smart and, you know, 99th percentile testing, whatever. Um, and so this is something I seriously considered I thought you know it's a way to help people it would be cool but then when my um I mean you know my dad passed away when I was young you know when I was nine and I remember the look on the doctor's face when he came in and had to tell you know myself my 16 year old sister and my mom and everybody there that he didn't make it and like in that instant (laughs) I knew like okay that is definitely not what I'm gonna do I can't be that guy (laughs) um not that I can't you can't deliver bad news or or whatever like Mm -hmm. I can but I I just couldn't do that like it would suck the life out of me every every single day and so at the age of nine I'm like okay that's done so you had your big but you know but as opposed to pushing somebody out of something from what I understand you really didn't have any plan to go into mental health until you had that big experience is that right Right. Yeah, it was, um, I was essentially dragged to therapy. Um, you know, so um, it didn't, it wasn't my idea. Um, but, you know, at the time, I was dealing with a lot of things. And, you know, basically, every resource I had available, friends, family, faith, um, every, you know, all my like naturally developed coping skills and strategies didn't right. work, because my nervous system was just shot. I don't know how else to describe it. If anyone's sure. actually experienced the sort of traumatic event with the delayed mm-hmm. onset of like, all right, you think you're fine. And then, you know, two months right. later, um, all of these things start to happen. And um, so, no, I had no plan. Um, I knew <laughs> that I, you know, I've always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to try to make the world a better place. Um, and that I always had this sense of how things could be and wanted to be a part sure. of um, trying to make good things happen in the world. Um, but until then, you know, the thought never even really crossed my mind. But um, my therapist that I saw, he was the, um, he was just the campus counselor, you know, there that mm-hmm. was available for students um, to see as needed. And, you know, after several sessions, you know, my nervous system calmed down. I was able to sort of function and graduate. I wouldn't probably mm-hmm. have graduated um, if I hadn't gotten the help that I needed at that time. Um so yeah, it was like, oh, this works. This is great. How right. do I, how did, how did this happen? How did he do that? <laughs> you know, like, you know, and just to be able to, to do that for other people was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to do that. So that is- that's what set me off the process of applying for grad school and kind of led me mm-hmm. to you know, where I am now. 
That is very, 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 very cool. Um, so, and I, if I remember correctly, you actually, your bachelor's was actually in like religion, right? Like that's right. the, the mm-hmm. so what, right. what were your, you know, what were you thinking before? Like, what was your career path at that point? Yeah, it wasn't clearly defined. It was, <laughs> you know, on my path towards ordination in the church of the Nazarene. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something, you know, my minor was in missions. I knew I wanted to do something with outreach and, okay. um, you know, uh, like yeah, yeah. part of that sort of thing. That was my original um, plan as, you know, a very, very young adult. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just, um, in today's world, things are so polarized between um, religion and, say, science, you know. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that, well, one of the things I've always loved about you is that you just are, you, you're very reasonable mm-hmm. and very even keel. And But I just think it's wonderful mm-hmm. that uh, for anybody that's a friend of yours, they know that, you know, you, um, you know, you have a degree in religion, but yet you have a Carl Sagan quote, like, on your Facebook page. And that just, that just makes me light up. Like, <laughs> I just, yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, um, and I get that from my mom. You know, I think that, you mm-hmm. know, I, I always say, you know, all the best things about me I get from my mom. Um, <laughs> but that sense of just being, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have right. to be so polarized, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, people are nuanced and complicated. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Your mom was always, um, um, for those that don't know, I was a mega band geek in, in school. And um, you weren't a mega yeah. band geek, but you definitely were there kind of with us, uh, hanging out and doing your thing. Very talented. You just didn't have the, the uh, weird, as much of the crazy about you which is a compliment yeah I, I enjoy say. being in bands but you know <laughs> it, I think you know I um I, I don't know I, I really enjoyed concert band and that's why I did yeah. marching band because we had to do both you right. know oh, um, yeah. but like definitely that that community of mm. uh band nerds was an amazing thing to have in high school especially <laughs> sure. being such an introvert you know so yeah. I really do think it was sort of the sense of community and being a part of bigger something bigger mm-hmm. you know that really kept me in band sure yeah. well, your mom was um by far one of everyone's favorite band moms so uh <laughs> that's she mom's really hard she, she really, really does hard. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um it's a man yeah like <laughs> totally know, she's wonderful yeah <laughs> yeah so um just something to throw out there if she's listening thank you we we really appreciate it um every <laughs> single person because there were a lot of us and uh but yeah it's know, uh, right? yeah. Like, yeah. a yeah band-aid here you go you know right oh yeah she was always packing something yeah it was always right? crazy <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know being prepared is never a bad thing though I'm sure that's where you get a lot of that absolutely yeah that's my sort of go-to way of you know coping and dealing with mm-hmm. stress especially work-related stuff whatever sort of over preparing um definitely never sure. has um been a detriment so yeah, yeah. yeah well you know it's funny too in retrospect the if I would have really thought about it when we were in school, I could have easily called the fact that a therapist would have been a good job for you. Um, we, well, you were, you were always the one who was listening to everything. You didn't necessarily chime in with every little quip or anything like that. But whenever you did open your mouth to say something, it was good and it was profound and big and it had, it had meaning behind it. So now as a professional, you know, you can kind of do the same thing, but instead of 
you know, with whatever craziness was going on at the time, you know, you're, you're, you know, helping somebody work through something and it's, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it makes a lot of sense. Listen, 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 big statement. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that's, that's the trick is actually paying attention, absorbing mm-hmm. things. And then, you know, for me, letting myself have time to process things, sure. you know, that's really important. Um, Cause a lot of things happen, you know, back in, in the background and, you mm-hmm. know, a day later I'll have like, Oh, this is the answer. Or this is the right, thing right. I need to go here. Yeah. So your primary, so day to day you do, um, uh, you do like actual counseling still, right? Um, no, no, I'm working on kind of getting a a private practice going in the background, but that takes a lot. Um, but my full-time role is at psych hub doing um, content development primarily. Mm -hmm. So helping to write, review, research, um, our, uh, continuing education courses. See, that's bloody brilliant. That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's not <laughs> it, it is. It's, um, sorry, every once in a while, the um, hidden Irish, I guess, that I didn't know had comes comes out. Um, <laughs> so the, um, yeah. it's just, the Psych Hub, I wasn't totally familiar with everything you guys did because, you know, I haven't mm-hmm. been in mental health for many years now, but um, mm-hmm. But I, as I was, the more and more I researched and was reading, because I, you know, I, I try to not go into conversations blind, no matter how well I know, may know somebody. Um, I'm very impressed with not only the um, quality of the content that you guys put out, but actually the quantity as well. Like there's a lot of resources that you guys have made available and you haven't even been really around that long, right? No, we just turned two. So <laughs> yeah, we, um yeah, the, we are all incredibly proud of the, like you said, the quality and the, mm-hmm. the quantity of the the content that we have we've been able to develop in such a short time. And we have a lot of really exciting things coming. Um, but like recently, what we've been working on is a suite of uh, courses for uh, the treatment of suicide for therapists mm-hmm. um, and evidence-based practices for wow. effectively reducing people's suicide risk. And because mm-hmm. um, I think you know we know in the field a lot of us are just winging it, um, right. you know, and it's very the, the way people are trained is very you know you you go to two different states or two different agencies and you're not Mm -hmm. doing the same thing Um, and you know unfortunately a lot of people are you know falling through the cracks they're not getting the treatment that they really need and it's not for a lack of people not trying you know um it's just uh, i think a general like that's sort of our mission is to fill the gap of of evidence-based treatment information for therapists Mm -hmm. so they can go on to better effectively help their clients because that's that's at the end of the day what Sure. What we're all trying to do. Yeah, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. The um the, the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network is a group that I've done some work with over the years. They're uh they're good they're, they're good people doing good things, you know, Absolutely. but it but they need tools and they need yeah, <laughs> you know they need does. resources. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah everybody does. Uh, um, yeah. you know, and, and of course, you know, therapists in, in general need those those types of tools. Um, mm-hmm. I have a friend who he was actually my first uh episode that wasn't just me of my podcast, who's a uh he's a, a CPRS, a peer support specialist, but who works with the crisis intervention team with uh with Centerstone specifically with the um with with the suicide hotline. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know that that's something that I, you know, we talked about to a good extent. Um, one of the things that he mentioned, which I wonder if it's something that you guys may try to incorporate into any curriculum is um, they actually provide follow-up uh, to where they go back and um, as opposed to just receiving a call and then moving on to the next one. Um, right. Admittedly, that's kind of something that not a lot of people really know how those processes work, but do you guys right. encourage that kind of thing? And and how would right. you approach, you know, that as a, and, and what what would the importance be from a professional like yourself of follow up with somebody and and also someone who's been in that 
situation before. Right. Cause I think that that's, that's the, there's like the gap of like, or someone in, is in a hospital or receives some sort of crisis services. And then it's like, then what? And then there's right. that gap in, in care. And we know from the research that that's a very vulnerable time for people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, we do know that, you know, if we're training a therapist to work with people, following up, tracking mm-hmm. those things, you know, making sure that they, um, they get where they need to go or whatever is something we advocate for and encourage. And then if we're messaging to the general public, you know, follow through, Mm -hmm. follow up calls is definitely something that we, we, we include in our list of recommendations for people to do. So yeah, because it's not just a one and done thing. You know, people need to know that they're really cared about, that someone's actually making sure that they're okay. And, and um, that it's not just a one and done thing, you know? Yeah. Very cool. It's um, again, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people, <laughs> okay, so I'm in the world a lot of times of blue collar entrepreneurs, people who are out there making their own way, doing their own mm-hmm. thing. And, and unfortunately, in that segment of the population, there's still a lot of stigma surrounding not just the idea of mental health and issues, right. but also seeking help for those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's something I think there's for one reason or another, it's like there's this curtain that's dropped where people don't necessarily know what happens behind the scenes. Um, if that makes sense all the education and training and learning and everything Mm -hmm. else that goes into it um you know if if there are those people out there listening who think that it's all some sort of big you know house of cards or whatever who who just because they don't understand i mean Mm -hmm. as a professional that is very well educated experienced seasoned knows what she's doing and knows make sure everybody else does too what what would Mm -hmm. your message to that kind of person be about um you know if they're having trouble or if someone they know mm-hmm. is and is seeking treatment, I mean, what, you know, mm-hmm. what would you tell those people? Well, I would tell them that, you know, the reason that they think that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think that they were wrong offhand because I think the field has um, sort of gatekeeped information about mental health disorders, about what treatment is, um, what, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, we have a lot of work to do to increase transparency and um, to really, you know, be able to provide people care and to educate consumers to be smart consumers of, of treatment. So I, that's what originally attracted me to PsychHub was that we are trying to provide the public information. You know, what is the evidence for, you know, treatment for opioid use disorder or whatever? You know, how do you ask your provider um, sure. what are your qualifications? What, you know, what sort of right. interventions do you use? And that's all a part of informed consent. These are all things that we therapists are ethically obliged to do mm-hmm. anyways. Um, so I would say, you know, I get it. Um, you know, I've been on the outside of someone that probably needed mental health services sure. but didn't understand it, didn't mm. um, realize what um, a spectrum of mental health experiences are. And, you know, for so long, it's been like the normal people and the people, the mentally ill. Right. And that's not reality at all. You know, I think last year mm. really opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact that we're all vulnerable to experiencing mm. some sort of mental health um, concern. It may not be a an actual disorder, Um, but, you know, stress from living through a pandemic or, um, (laughs) you know, experiencing and all the other things that are going on in the world, stressful, it affects people. Um, And so I think that for, unfortunately, you know, that standard of normal has really held us back in so many Mm. ways of people recognizing, hey, what I'm dealing with, I don't have to deal with on my own. You know, there right. are supports out there, there's treatment out there that can help. Um, and then it's normal to 
have sort of a reaction to abnormal circumstances, right? Um, so I would say, you know, I get it. And I, you know, I, I'm personally sorry that that's been people's experience and that, you know, there are more of us out there that are still waking up to these bigger issues that are informing not only care delivery, but like how we all think about mental health. Sure. So, Yeah. That is a really good answer. <laughs> um, so, Hopefully that kind of made yeah. some sense. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. in the last year or so, like my own eyes have been open to mm. a lot of things and a lot of things that we need to all be doing better. Sure. So, yeah. One of the things as a, um, you know, as an autistic person for, for me, because, you know, I was, uh, it's not, I, you know, back in the day, it was just, oh, yeah, that's the weird guy <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, and that that's always, always been it. And, and I, you know, I didn't ever realize, I just figured it's just because I was a big guy. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm stupid tall anyway. Um, you know, I was five foot tall when I started kindergarten, which is always the thing that right. surprises people. So I, mm-hmm. I always just chucked it up to that. Mm-hmm. And, and the diagnosis for me was not so much like, I oftentimes feel like, especially with something um, like with mental health or, or, or mm-hmm. developmental disorders, that kind of stuff, that there's, that there's this thing of, well, you know, once you receive a diagnosis, it's kind of like, oh, poor thing. And then, you know, people start to, and it completely eliminates like self-efficacy and being able to take care mm-hmm. of yourself. Right. And I tried to look at it from the perspective of this is a tool. This is something mm-hmm. where now that I know kind of the rules of the game, now I can play mm-hmm. it better, you right. know? And right. so, um, it, right. you know, and I think that again, going back to like the blue collar entrepreneur types, the people who are out there just working hard, and like they don't you know they see it a lot of times as I mean a lot of people do as oh well Mm -hmm. they're just going to get pat on the head and told that everything's going to be okay and um and and it just it that's not really the truth I mean it's hard work it's it's not right yeah (laughs) for everybody (laughs) who's out there you're not seeing Emily shaking her head yes and very large (laughs) emotions right right yeah no living with a mental health disorder it's kind of exhausting. Um, and then also like recovery is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of introspection and like deep, like, Oh man, like confronting yourself, confronting, um, mm-hmm. like the truth of your life. That takes a lot of work. Um, and, and you're, you know, I think that that's the, I hear it a lot, like, especially for teenagers, you know, like we talked to um, a young lady who's a mental health advocate and, you know, people say all the time, oh, you know, you're just looking for attention or you're using your diagnosis or whatever to get attention. And it's like, well, you know, if you really understand what I, so let's say that they are actually attention seeking. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are actually connection seeking. Like that's like, I think that's how Brené Brown's, or someone else framed it this way. It's not my own original idea here, um, but it's like <laughs> she's you know one what? of my favorites. That's cool. I love her, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of people are like living with these very real experiences, and yeah. they are a le- we've left them alone to deal yeah. with that. And so, right. um, yeah, like people may not always ask for help in the ways that we all deem acceptable or mm-hmm. comfortable. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you have to like look at where that person's coming from and what's motivating that 
behavior in the first place. Right. Right. Like there's some, there's some need that's not getting up there. The, um, I'm, I will say that, um, even though I'm not around the the folks that are like a lot younger, say like folks are teenagers now that often the experience that I do have, um, like I have two nephews. They're uh, now 18 and 21. If you can believe that the one was literally just born, like, uh, like when we were at band camp actually your oh, wow. sophomore year okay, <laughs> yeah wow. so right I know yeah wow. so dating ourselves just a little bit yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah so but like them and their friend group and then even the difference between them and like uh my sister's best friend was kind of raised with us and is, is basically like a second sister mm-hmm. and um her girls are like 11 and 13 and and even between them and there like there's this big movement of very much self-acceptance from all the people that I've met and, it, and it's a yeah. whole different ball game I mean my mom when she heard the name of my podcast she's granted she's an older mom for our age bag she's you know 71 I think now but she's like well you're gonna make people feel bad calling them weird <laughs> and all this but then like when when the girls heard that I was doing the podcast and I was about they're like can we be on can we be guests we'll be celebrities all this stuff right. and um, right. but it you know it's it's a whole different owning it um oh, even yeah. like um my uh my younger nephew is 18 he's my baby nephew he's an inch taller than I am I'm six seven he's six eight um but he um what like if he's had a rough couple of weeks or something like that and he's real stressed out he'll say, I need a good cry. I'm going to go watch Hachi, that, you know, dog movie that makes everybody cry just because he knows he needs a good cry and he knows that's going to do the trick, (laughs) you know? And that's so emotionally intelligent, you know, for an 18 year old kid to be like, I need a good cry. I'm going to go watch this, watch this movie that makes tears me up. You know, it's just, it's not something I ever would have it, it, it's just a different mindset, I guess, which shows right. that what you guys are doing is, you know, I mean, bit by bit is doing the, doing the trick, you know, it's making yeah. things happen. Yeah, I think that, you know, we are in sort of a cultural shift right now where people, mm. and I think we already were, you know, but last year right. definitely accelerated things um, yeah. quite a bit because it's like more people you know, had to sort of go through something themselves to really realize, oh, this stuff is real. We need to do mm, something about right. it. We need to change. Um, yeah. So it's really exciting to see what a difference, you know, education um, really makes. And, you know, you we know this, that prevention yeah. <laughs> um, is prevention is where, where it's at. You mm-hmm. know, if you can give people the tools and the information to, you know, possibly prevent you know things from getting worse um you know even mm-hmm. something like schizophrenia people get early intervention and they don't deteriorate nearly right. as much as they would have otherwise yeah um and so that impact can also be experienced by other people that are living with more milder you know even subclinical forms of mental health concerns um you know i think everybody if you're dealing with something you know you deserve you deserve support you deserve right. to get the help that you need and to to live to have a, a good quality of life Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a again there's this shroud of mystery for some reason around mental right. health and right. um and I think we we perpetuated that in the field for so long it was like oh you know we can't you know show our faces on dating apps I've seen conversation about that and it's like <laughs> you're not <laughs> like just because you're a therapist doesn't mean right. you're not still a person yeah, um, yeah and and you know the shame and I'll you know I'll say a lot of people don't realize um you know, how much internalized stigma is present in mm-hmm. therapists and right. mental health providers. Sure, yeah. Um, because uh, you know, we're supposed to have all the answers, we're supposed to be right, happy and, right, right. and everything. And, and oh, most therapists are well, just as screwed up as the rest of us, if not more. That's how they can recognize everything. 
I mean, in <laughs> I'm not saying you are, um, but in my experience, no, but there's I mean, quite a that's few. How, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're not immune to having, right? You know, challenges. Right, um, right. So, yeah, yeah. So, what you're saying is you're not perfect. Is that that? That's what you're trying oh, to get no, across. Oh no, we are not perfect. We are <laughs> absolutely not. We have, um, you know, I think our training prepares us to really be able to help people and everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think a lot of us. Um, you know, life teaches us a lot too. And right. it's sort of the integration of that training and the professional experience and knowledge and, um, and, and things, but then also, you know, doing the work yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're not um, doing that, you know, you're not going to be an effective provider. You're going to have mm-hmm. some barriers to you really being able to give people all the care that you need, they need. Right. Um, yeah. And it's not the easiest thing to do, well- you know? I know I had a um, I had a, a client who was um, schizophrenic when I ran a peer center for uh, Centerstone, and um, wonderful, wonderful human being um, had lived with this for a very long time, and so I decided that I wanted to find out more about it because again, there's mm-hmm. this cloud and shroud that's over mental health where we, you know, mm-hmm. the where that you know somebody might use the word schizo or schizophrenic or whatever in conversation and have no idea what it means and um i remember i was sitting with um greg bennett um a friend of mine who was on my podcast um we were doing the mental health first aid training Mm -hmm. and um and they did this thing that was really just unique and interesting where they had um you broke into groups of three one person was the the counselor one person was the client and then the third person was the voice talking to the client And so, and you were supposed to just ask general, you know, kind of therapeutic process questions. And the whole point was to get the person sitting in the client seat to try to like, to try to understand, you know, if someone is, um, you know, schizophrenic, how they're actually hearing things, how they're Mm -hmm. perceiving things, what's going on in their head. Because, you know, a lot of times there'll be with with folks that are schizophrenic, there'll be outbursts and anger Mm -hmm. and different things like that. And and when you're not hearing what they're hearing, you don't necessarily know why. And that was, Mm -hmm. it was something where 30 seconds of that exercise was more than enough to know you never wanted to do that again. And people live with this every day and they, and, and again, you know, mm-hmm. some people make fun of or, 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 or whatever the case may be, because they right. don't really know <laughs> what this is really about. They haven't right. seen it. They haven't experienced right. any of that. You know, mm-hmm. what is there, you know, I know you guys do some um, education stuff for right. the general public as mm-hmm. well. Right. Is there anything like that that you guys are doing? Are there any th- things that people can refer to to be able to kind of get a better understanding of mm-hmm. that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I think that's something that we sort of built into all of our trainings for the mental health um, Mm -hmm. ally certification um, was we sort of thought, you know, what, you know, what's the foundation? What do people need to know about that behavioral health field? Again, trying to lift that veil. um, And then what's it like to actually live with this disorder? You know, I don't think people are necessarily people don't get it by reading a little checklist of symptoms. They get it from understanding how this affects someone. Like you said, cognitively, Mm -hmm. how do you function in life with hearing this voice? How do you live with PTSD um, when your nervous system is telling Mm -hmm. you that there's threats everywhere? Um, And so it's dealing that like, what is it really like to live with that um, that disorder? And then showing people's lived experiences as well. So we not only write the content, but we also... Um, you know, have people talk to us and, and include that in our courses, uh, sure. people with lived experience. Um, because I think for so long, we've sort of, 
neglected people um, the lived experience uh, that community um and you know kind of said that y'all are off there doing your own thing we're the professionals here we know things right. um but there really no there's a lot more overlap of professionals with lived experience um and also that really needs to inform that we work the work that we do um, people that are actually experiencing these things, mm-hmm. they need a voice. They need to say, this is working. This is not, this is what it's like. This is what we need. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it seems like you guys are doing, um, it seems like you guys are doing something that should have happened a long time ago, Right. but better, better late than never. I will definitely say, but, but it, it is apparent yeah. that you guys are doing it well, right, which yeah. is important. You're not, I think some people have tried to do similar things before, but mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, they just kind of half-ass it and, and um, mm-hmm. they, nothing really moves forward, you know, right. and it, it yeah. seems like you guys are really making a concerted effort to make a difference and be out mm-hmm. there, you know, kind of spreading your message. I mean, wh- right. where, what can you guys identify as things that, that you're doing that may have not happened before that's, that's uh, allowing you guys the success that you're having? Well, I think the accessibility of the online education is a whole thing. Um, you know, we learned last year, like, mm. you know, things happen in the world uh, that mm-hmm. people still need to be able to access training and, and education. Right. Um, and then, you know, in long term, you know, the people that are um, limited by their, their geographic location or mm-hmm. physical mobility, um, other things, um, you know, people and also people's learning styles, like people learn different ways. Um, some people like to read, some people like to listen mm-hmm. um, to really take into all those things into account. Um, I think that that's, you know, reaching people where they are, whether it's on YouTube or actual like course where they get CE right. credit to keep their license, you know, right, that right. Whole range of, <laughs> um, you know, providing everybody um, education and in a way that's actually accessible to them, not using so much jargon or right. you know, every, every word that we use is carefully selected right. um, to not to be, you know, um, strength-based, person-based. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Very cool. For those out there that don't know what a CE credit is, um, a lot of professional certifications require that you have continuing education, (laughs) Um, a certain amount per year, every two years, whatever the case may be. So shorthand is either CE or CEU. Yeah. Yeah, So I have to to take 10 a year and, you know, because we're supposed to. I mean, that's our, it's an ethical imperative to continue mm, learning. And right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's the whole thing is there are a lot of people out there who probably have no idea that A, continuing education exists and B, that right, it's right. actually required to keep doing right. what you're doing. <laughs> right, right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and to, you know, to be a professional and have had those trainings and, and things um, to know what I've gotten, you know, benefit from and not um, right. has really helped a lot too, to sure. know that like, you're, you're you have to do it anyway it should be helpful it should actually yeah, make yeah. you a better clinician very very cool yeah. you know one thing just from my own um my, my day-to-day primary thing still is is as a brand designer i'm moving more into the training and development mode but um i i have to say i think one difference that i've noticed while you know kind of dig, taking a deeper dive into psych hub you guys have really done a really good job of 
um, branding yourselves in such a way that people are interested and, and you keep people's attention. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things out there. You know, th- there's there's tons of information from so many different places right, right. that does exist on the internet, but it's not something that people have any interest in looking for, or even if they find it, they think that they got to the wrong place and just don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much with new media that requires constant engagement and right, creating right. things that keep people's attention. Um, right. You guys have really done a good job with that that um and i I say that from a professional perspective of like that i mean it's it's a (laughs) you guys have really done a good job with that i'm impressed um you know yeah we have an amazing you know marketing department and and our social media um people they're they are they do some they're they're great yeah so uh, and it's all such it's such a team everything we do is it's it's done as a team so yeah yeah so very very just so cool (laughs) just it's a neat thing to be able to bring those worlds together because you're offering Mm -hmm. something that is a value but unless you have a compelling way to be able to present the information people still aren't going to to engage and so you guys doing that how you have it's just it's it's cool it's a it I think that's probably definitely one of the factors to your one of yeah. many factors to the success. Obviously, you would be another one of those. Um, we'll pass that on, especially our education team. We have instructional de- designers and people right. that know adult learning principles and right, things like right. that. So, yeah, it's really like and having the clinical lens, the educational lens, mm-hmm. uh, all of those things from the get-go. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. So, um, so on a personal note, and I won't dive into it too much but um you had a uh, experience recently that a lot of people can identify with Mm -hmm. and those same folks that i was mentioning the ones who might think mental health and that kind of stuff are you know you can use a biden term hooey or something (laughs) something like that um you know they're the first ones that would be you know crying their eyes out if they had a situation like you did your Mm long-term doggy companion um left us and so very very sad and that sucks speaking as someone who's encountered way more loss than his short time on the earth than I should have I know how that right. is and I'm um, right. just I, I hate that that has happened to you I mean you had a lot of good time but it's still oh yeah you know it's, it's so hard yeah to, to like um, I think grief is one of those things that you know you're never prepared for um, especially if you you love a pet or a person a lot yeah. and they were a big presence in your life um, yeah yeah, it's the the grief and loss is just it's just such a thing. It really is. Yeah. One of my um my rules is always to in order to communicate you first must try to find some sort of common ground and break things down to the simplest level. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody and everybody that's ever had a pet, which is pretty much everybody um can you know no matter where they come from, like they know how bad that stings and how bad that yeah. hurts and and it's right. almost you know, it's, it's your kid before you have kids. If you have kids, I mean, it's, right. it's your family. Yeah. It's, and it's a, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of you folks out there that think mental health is just a bunch of crap. Like this is your moment to find common ground <laughs> and understand everybody has right. these feelings and it's okay. Right. And um, yeah. anyway, yeah, it's just how we're prepared, you know, I think we're wired um, to, to love deeply. And also we grieve deeply and, and yeah. we're affected by the things around us. Um, it's so strange to me how, you know, not to golf on a tangent, but like, oh, how, sure, yeah. um, you know, we're not supposed to let things get to us or mm-hmm. to just brush off, 
negative experiences and it's like people write are so easy to recognize oh a kind word will make someone's day it'll lift their spirits and it's like right. well you know the opposite is also true true um you know how we talk to each other how we treat mm. each other really matters because you just don't know like you know if people have passed me on the street they wouldn't have known you know i, right. I experienced terrible loss yeah. just a couple of days ago um and so anybody could be going through something really difficult um yeah. you know breakup or losing a loved one or maybe they lost their job or right. you know you, we just don't know what other people are going through and i think that that's just the most important thing to remember is that um people living with mental health issues or whatever like you don't know what they're experiencing so try to have some empathy try yeah. not to judge you know until you've walked a mile in someone's shoes you just don't sure. know the um you know I, I talk a lot about with folks about 10 pull moments of things that have brought you to where you are and um mm -hmm. one of the most seared into my brain experiences in my entire life was immediately after the doctor came in and told us that my dad had died myself my sister's boyfriend at the time who him and his mom were there and then my mm -hmm. sister's sixth grade teacher who whose wife happened to be my third grade teacher from the year before who had come they, they were local you know they came and were yeah. with us the three of us walked outside and i remember thinking to myself like looking around and the sky was blue and the birds were chirping and people were driving by just doing mm -hmm. their thing running errands whatever mm -hmm. and that was one of those situations for me where i was like wow <laughs> like my entire world just came crashing down around mm -hmm. me but yet folks are still out picking up their dry cleaning it's a uh, mm -hmm. and and so it it you know i think sometimes you know we all have those moments when we kind of have those realizations but mm -hmm. it, uh, i guess the difficulty is you know putting yourself like like realizing other people have those moments too right it's not mm -hmm. just you right yeah um it does seem like uh like the, how dare the world just keep going right right, it's like, right don't exactly. you know what just happened mm -hmm. um and yeah it's a very kind of eerie feeling sometimes it's you know if you're going through right. um one thing or another it's like oh people are just living life and you know it's just like this doesn't feel right you know right. um so yeah i think that um again that kind of calls for why just being polite and you know civil right. and and yeah. you never know what's Mm -hmm. someone else is carrying um right i always try um and, and not like this is gonna sound crazy um I, I always try to say something positive to anybody that i have more than like a three second interaction with so like mm -hmm. if somebody like if, if you can tell like if you're at a drive-through and you tell somebody's having a bad day i'll try to be like oh well, you have a you know what you have a nice mm -hmm. smile or you know oh right. i like that hat or, or whatever you know just something and right, um right, it's, yeah. it's just it's so obvious when i do something like that because it takes people so by surprise mm -hmm. and it's like mm -hmm. wow are you really getting you know crapped on that bad <laughs> that that that, oh, that you know that that oh, no. catches you by surprise so it's uh, i really wish that um I really wish somehow that that people would try to kind of put themselves in the shoes of, you know, and, and everybody else. And because, you know, there's some mm -hmm. people that are so just nasty, spitting vitriol and 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 just mm -hmm. horrible things that people right. just because they're having a bad day. Well, OK, right. now you just ruined somebody else's day, too. Why, why do you have to do that? Right. It's contagious. Yeah. Like yeah. emotions are actually real, but they're also contagious, you mm -hmm. know, um, and if you can try to break the cycle um you know we're all we're all gonna have our moments we're all gonna mm -hmm. you know have our you know um 
rough spots, but I think if, you know, more people took a conscious effort, like you said, to have more empathy yeah. and to think about how we are impacting the people around us. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the golden rule is one thing, treat other people like you want to be treated, right. but the platinum rule is, you know, treat people like they want to be treated, Right. you know, because sure. you know, two people are the same. Um, I think right. that's something, especially when it comes to mental health experiences, people right. think, you yeah. know, oh, I was able to do this, or I was able to do that. And right. it's like, you know, not everyone's dealt the same deck of cards right. at the beginning. Um, oh, yeah. Some people lose parents as a child, or right. some people are born with a biological Based mm-hmm. brain disorder or right. you know like um financially disadvantaged family mm-hmm. um no two people are you know given the same tools and and, right. and things from the very beginning so no two people can you can't expect just because oh i did this other people right. can too it's like all right gotcha. <laughs> that's just yeah, so, yeah. like not empathetic at all you know right you know, I am, you know, speaking of things that, you know, just kind of happen and you have to deal with, um, I had no idea that you had any kind of health issues at all um, back in the day. And and apparently you like had big surgery and like, I, I don't know if I was just oblivious or nobody knew, but yeah. I mean, you came back in with, with, or, or you, you know, if you were gone, you never missed a beat because you just came back with the same smile that you had before. Um, but uh, you know, what was that like to, I mean, I couldn't only imagine how difficult that would be to have a big, you know, mm-hmm. a, a big medical thing happen. And right. when you're what, what, 15, right? Right. I mean, yeah. that's pretty young. Right. Yeah. Um, it was, um, it was really difficult. I think, you know, I don't know what, uh, you know, I'm, I was talking to my mom about this because, you know, Robin posted all those pictures, the videos right. of our, yeah, yeah. and it just uh-huh. sort of got my memory jog, I jogged my memory. And, you know, I wrote about um, some reflections that I had about that time. And it was um, just and kind of reflecting on, you know, how it was, I don't know. I don't know what, how to describe it, but it was my choice to keep going. Like I wanted to keep going. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be like to do what I needed to do, um, to push myself, even though I was in a lot of pain or discomfort or probably should have probably taken that year off. Um, but it was my choice to be there and people were supportive. People gave me gifts. People were kind, you know, I was allowed to sit down and take breaks. Um, and, you know, like I got a lot of uh, support from uh, the adults and also a lot of, you know, sure. yeah, you know like the Jackson section, they were um, right. great supportive people. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of reflecting on that and like, I don't think, you know, I, the, the autonomy to make those decisions, to push myself, to do what I, you know, and the support mm-hmm. made such a difference. And I just kind of made me think like you know what if I had decided this is my best interest to sit out this year or if it's my best interest to to not go to practice today or whatever um you know like I would have probably been given those um that allowance right people would have asked me questions oh you were a third of your spine just got fused together go sit down honey right Right. um but you know thinking about how we treat people with mental health you know someone who lives with mental health issues as well um you know if i had to say you know i can't go to work today because i'm having a bad mental health day um that's we we don't let people do that and you know just think you know the brain's the most complicated thing in the known universe there's a lot of room for error the human experience is a profoundly difficult one sometimes. 
um, we just have so long, such a long way to go as a society to really recognizing that people living with either physical health, mental health challenges, not only are they real, um, but we need to let people decide what's best for them. We need to support them. We need to yeah. let them have the decision. How much can I do? How much can I push myself before? Like th this is too much. Mm. Um, yeah. So just kind of thinking back to that, it was, it, I think that's what made the difference if someone said, oh, you have to do this or whatever, you know, I probably would have, you know, I don't know if I'd had the same, um, it probably would have been way worse, you know, um, I probably wouldn't have been able to like even push myself if it wasn't me doing the one pushing myself, you know, so. Yeah. Well, just personally, for what it's worth, I apologize for missing all of that. I, um, one thing that I, mean, I have, no, well. It's, it's not, well, I mean, it wasn't like, go ahead, I'll let you finish. Well, well it's, it's, it's just part of the whole spectrum disorder thing I've learned, and it makes a lot of sense given my track record with certain things is when I haven't, like, if, if something piques my interest, if I'm aware of something and it's important to me, I have a laser focus. And, 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 it's, and, and I do, I actually, I mean, I've got a, damn near encyclopedic memory of most things from my life that right. were of an interest right. um that being said you were always somebody i really looked up to and admired i know you were like a year younger than me but still i always thought a lot of you You handled yourself so well and you always carried yourself so well and if i had known <laughs> that there was something <laughs> going on i would would have had, like i would have had a focus on that because uh, you were there are certain people in life that that uh, um let's say our mutual friend Lindsay Belke is one she's like a little sister to me I um I she always will be she always has been and and she's somebody who you know I always try to look out for and who means a lot to me and who I just check up with every once in a while to say hey how's you know how's hubby treating you that kind of <laughs> kind of thing just joking of course but um but and you were one of those folks as well that I you know I, I cared about that you know we saw each other a lot mm -hmm. um that, you know, the, and uh, I feel bad that I didn't know about that. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, I said this when we were chatting the other day is, you know, um, as things happen to you in life, things don't necessarily get easier, but you get stronger and you're as strong as they come. So I just feel bad that I wasn't able to be a support as well, because that's, that's who I am, you know, and it's just, yeah. anyway. Well, thank you for that. that. But it's, and, it's, and it's also like, I think that, you know, people, you were one of the people that were supportive, that were kind on a consistent basis anyways. And so we don't necessarily have to know what everyone else is well, dealing sure. with to like actually make a positive difference you know just like you know when I was a freshman I think that you know I you were one of the people that made an effort to talk to me and yeah, to yeah. check on the the younger classmen yeah. and to really make us feel welcome so just like you don't have to like focus in on and know everything sure. you know I think just just being yourself and and really caring about other people and showing that like that makes a really big difference so don't beat yourself up for not knowing what you didn't know. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So something that I'm, so again, I say this every time I do a podcast, but um, everybody listening knows that I send out like a ahead of time, kind of like pre-interview thing. Yeah. And, and it just, it allows me to have good jumping off points and good information to be able to, uh, you know, no matter how well I know somebody, there's always things that are useful. Yeah. And one thing stood out to me that I thought was really cool. And um, I actually, so I was having this conversation with my mom the other day. 
and she was talking about things that are really important and and going out and doing and and and, you know and my mom and I agree on most things as far as stuff like that goes and she started talking about the social justice issues which to her Mm -hmm. are race relations and uh, Mm -hmm. LGBTQ um, rights Mm -hmm. um, you know kind of like you know egalitarian you know uh, women's rights type issues and Mm. unfortunately in the last five to ten years like the like social justice used to be like a positive term and now we've uh, for one reason or another it's gotten taken over and vilified Um, and and so one of the things that you wrote was you know when I I asked the question of you know what are you really passionate about Mm -hmm. and you said environmental and social justice and Mm -hmm. and when I read it I didn't read it like I would read it coming from Fox News or CNN I read it you know in Emily's voice in my head you know which is of course nice and polite and like you know empowered and what can I agree you know with you on that I'm with you 100% but as a professional and somebody who sees a lot of different people and who Mm -hmm. deals with probably some of these issues with clients Mm -hmm. what can we do in the world to be able to take that back you know to make it to where it's not a four-letter word and to where we can all be on the same page of like well of course we should have equity you know within different systems for people it's it's not a bad thing you know right yeah I really wish I had the answer to that um (laughs) (laughs) um but I will say you know what I I personally have tried to do is to to read and to educate myself on you know what's the research show um what is um, you know, I think, you know, even us, you know, therapists, uh, medical providers and everybody, um, we're not really, we haven't been historically trained on what's called the social determinants of health, right? So think of like upstream factors with the downstream impact, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my work as a therapist, I, I feel like I kind of, like, it was one of the, the hardest parts about that job was seeing the impact of the broader systems that they live in and the direct negative impact it had on their life, their well-being, and their health. Um, and just feeling very helpless. And yeah. it just um just that realization that there are a lot of people with legitimate challenges, with sure. legitimate disorders, yeah, of um, that are trying very, very hard to make mm-hmm. it in this world. And they you don't know what you don't know um, until you've actually experienced um, living in a low, a, a lower socioeconomic status. Right. If you've actually experienced, um, you know, living in a rural underserved community, right. you don't know um, how this really affects people and affects people very negatively. Um, yeah. There's so much preventable suffering happening in the world and I think it's becoming more clear how we all stand to benefit if we improve our systems and if we improve things that are at a higher level upstream, we all benefit, not just the people that are being hurt the most and the people that are the most vulnerable. I think that that's what sort of drives that passion is, you know, like mm-hmm. we're thinking about other people, right. but it's also like we all stand to benefit, you know, we're hurting ourselves in the process by not implementing what we know actually creates healthier societies. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, no that's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but, obviously, it's yeah. it's not the simplest thing. I mean, you it's know, not, no. there would have been and, peace in the Middle East a long time ago. I know, and everybody right? would be and like, happy. And yeah. Just, um, you know, like the Malay and Amanif, you know, Saul always probably right. what there's the thing is there's no magic wand, right? Right. There's no like quick fix um to very complicated problems and yeah. and um it's gonna require a concerted effort from from everybody to be a part of making our world a better place. And, you know, thinking, um, again, having empathy about how things affect other people differently. And also just realizing, you know, the life doesn't have to be as hard for, for the us, you know, either, or for right. the people that are maybe um, yeah, yeah. resistant to some of these things. Like you don't have to deal with um, the things that you're dealing with. You deserve better. Heck yeah. See, that's one of those, uh, Oh, just hearing somebody say that always gives me chills. It's um, growing up as the, you know, as the big kid, as the fat kid or whatever, and also as the kid who's always on the outside looking in and social circles, um, you know, combined with some other, you know, at-home factors and everything's like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I my self-esteem was so low for such a long time. And it, it, funny enough, um, I reconnected recently with a friend of mine from junior high who I always thought was just like, you know, she was like the cute girl, the cheerleader, all this other kind of stuff. And, and I said, you know, I just wanted you to know, I really appreciate you were always just so sweet and nice and and you know even though you were the popular girl or whatever and she was like really I was the popular girl <laughs> you know and, and with the same kind of issues it's uh mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's it's a human thing of like right. unless you're a total narcissist like you right. you know right. like sometimes you just don't feel good enough and it's uh yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. Just, it, connect- yeah. yeah. <laughs> connecting on that like share our shared humanity and our shared sense of um, you know, we're all like, we're all doing the best we can mm-hmm. and we all need support and it's okay yeah. to have support. It's okay to not have to just pull yourself up from your own bootstraps and never ask for help and, yeah. and never like, you know, that's just not how we're supposed to live, you right. know? Um, and that it's okay to have help. It's okay to do things with support. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that you're any less of a person or less capable. Right. Um, it just means you're also human too, you yeah. know? Um, and oh, that yeah. sometimes like, you know, yeah, yeah. Helping others helps us, but then it's like, you kind of have to let other people help you too. You know, right. um, I think a That's lot of us really struggle with accepting help. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I figure you're probably the same way. Oh yeah. yeah. Asking for help is like, uh, mm, mm, it's not, it's uncomfortable. I don't like Uh, doing it, but uh, you have to. to. (laughs) Well, I will say this, this whole podcasting has been an exercise in, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This whole podcast thing has been an exercise in vulnerability for me. Um, it's not that I am necessarily afraid to be emotionally vulnerable. I've, I feel like I've always done a pretty good job of, you know, showing who I am as opposed to just being hidden and closed off. But I swear, um, you know, my first episode was part one of three of like my personal journey and experience and you know and and it went over some pretty deep stuff and uh you know and it's scripted it's not an interview like this because it's just me it's it's me telling the story um and uh you know there's a reason why people don't revisit difficult things like that very often is because there's a lot of and so you know again I don't mind being vulnerable but man it's there's been a little bit of emotional 
tearing up a little bit, going through all this stuff, right? uh, retreading stuff. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, my whole point of doing my story like that is because I want any audience that I gain to understand, like, I'm mm -hmm. not doing this to be like big rock star or rich or whatever. Like I want to be able to really right. change the world and make a difference in people's lives. And I right. feel like the way to do that is to be authentic and honest and Absolutely. let people know through my story and through your story and everybody right. else's that, um, that, you know, yeah. we all have some common ground and, and we all have things that we go through and that doesn't define us. It just makes us stronger. You know, it doesn't mean that we're victims or whatever, but no. it's, uh, yeah. but it's tough, <laughs> you know, it's tough to rehash all that kind of stuff. I mean, right. Right. Yeah, oh. it is. Like, the emotional <laughs> exhaustion I think is real. And every time you reflect back on, um, you know, that, that writing about my, you know, back surgery and everything was huh? very, like, I was just sitting there weeping, you know, yeah. about one thing or another. Um, it's, it is a lot of work, but I think it's work that's worth doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially with all the new media and like ways right. we have to share our stories and experiences that we've never had before. Um, you know, I think that if the end of the day, if one person doesn't feel alone by someone sharing their story, then, you know, mission yeah. accomplished because I think there's nothing worse than feeling like you're alone. No one cares. No one knows what right. it's like. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just not true. It's, it's no, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, my first, uh, just because I'm an idiot, I ran a word count on my uh, first episode. <laughs> and um, once you take out the like sponsored content, all this other kind of stuff, mm -hmm. it, it was like 8,000 something words. And I just was mm -hmm. like, holy crap. So I'm thinking yeah. uh, at the, by the time that all three are done, I may put out a small, like, like, a, like turn into like a paperback like a power of weird book that, sure, that I can yeah. have out there like maybe for folks that don't like to listen to things or to yeah. watch shorts or whatever else maybe that'll you know right, open right. something up just make it a you know I really do I feel like you know the way for to success in the world at least for me is to really try to to make a difference and be a good person that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do anyway I don't know if I'm being right. successful but I'm trying I think that's trying like if we're trying then like that's like mission accomplished you know right. I think it's it's these rip like we're the ripple effects I think is something mm -hmm. that we don't you know you may not see immediate results um right. you know but I think the idea of you know planting seeds or having a positive mm -hmm. impact right we really just don't know how like even just a kind word or whatever you know we don't know right. the difference that could make and then in turn have a difference so yeah, yeah. um yeah yeah so um something that i think you'll appreciate that this is something that's been completely uh not anything i expected but with my little questionnaire that i send out the vast majority of people folks that um i've already interviewed and then some who i even haven't gotten to interview yet um the vast majority of people that I've, i'm interviewing answer these two particular questions that i ask and, and where basically their answers are the same and i think it's hilarious and so mm -hmm. anybody who's listened to any other episodes knows where i'm going with this but it's um you with you wrote this beautiful answer because my questions are what do you consider your greatest strength and what do you consider your greatest weakness and you wrote this beautiful answer to the first one and then the uh the second one you wrote a slightly shorter answer but you basically right. said the same thing <laughs> and um i i just think it's amazing that all of you know if you were to ask somebody that in a job interview and and mm -hmm. you know they're not 
like kind of the free thinking independent type of person that does their own thing, they're going to have these very canned different answers mm-hmm. and all this. But when you, there's so many people that I'm seeing now, and again, completely unexpected, but where we all look at, um, you know, I have a friend who, uh, she said communication is her, her biggest strength, but sometimes communication is her biggest weakness. Just she keeps communicating. <laughs> um, and so for you, can you kind of go over those for, for folks at home to, cause yours, yours answers are very different than what we've heard so far, but again, the answers are basically the same, just in different forms, oh, which I, I think is amazing. That. I didn't realize that that's interesting um so my I guess my answer to my strength was that I kind of have kept that sense of like I don't want to say optimism it's more of idealism uh-huh. you know that sense of um the way things can be you know we can prevent it's so much suffering we can have a, a much better world it's actually possible um, but yeah. I think also the turn of that is I'm also constantly frustrated. Like I have right. my patients. Um, I have, <laughs> like, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and hold myself mm. and others to a pretty high standard. Um, and so it's, I, that is really interesting. I did, I didn't realize what I was doing. Um, so well, that's, it's, yeah. well, it's, <laughs> that's well, like again, the perspective is like, that's yeah. the thing. Like you need, we all need like someone like looking at us like, Hey, did you see this? No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's just it's funny. You I, the one thing that you left out of what you what you wrote is like you said, you know, reg- here I'm going to read it actually because it's too okay. good. Um you say I think some way somehow I've held on to that sense of idealism. And then you then you're like, yeah, and I'm not very patient. Like like it just shows like <laughs> oh, you know, like 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 you're going to you know, if you're determined, you're determined. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. whether that's yeah. good or bad. And that's, right. and it's just it's uh right. it's fascinating to me like the way people think and the way it, it just mm-hmm. it's just this I think yeah. it's really neat again completely random nothing yeah. I expected at all I put those mm-hmm. on there because I was like hey that'll be something cool to talk about but no it's right. really cool to talk about right? it's the same it, thing. yeah that's so cool and so. thank you for the opportunity for that little extra reflection there because yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like sometimes you just like yeah, that personal reflection or thinking about yourself, you know, we do it to some extent, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not something that I think a lot of us do on, on the regular. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, so you also wrote and you said that um, recently you found out that you have a um, behavior, well, I guess mental health and behavioral health are basically the same thing nowadays. Yeah, but, but, uh, under uh, the same umbrella of behavioral right. health, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. When, whenever I say to, to folks like yourself who are professionals, you know, I'm talking about like spectrum disorders, technically right. uh, developmental disorders, right. how it's categorized, right. even though right. that drives me absolutely crazy. Um, <laughs> but so, um, but but you recently have found out something about yourself. And, and so mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that? And also, um, you know, what what has that meant to you as far as the lens that you kind of see yourself through and and everything that you do yeah um I think it was um you know a matter of last year being a pretty difficult year for most people and I think I found myself um really like okay all of my internal coping mechanisms strategies and everything that I had developed over my entire life because it you know I was diagnosed with ADHD this year um, everything that I'd done to cope with that, the over-preparing, the over-organization, mm-hmm. like all of the like structure, routine, all of these things um, that helped me 
not only just survive, but thrive with yeah, these yeah. limitations that I have um, and the struggles the right that I word. have, um, it like failed, you know, and I found myself just really being like, I don't know what else to do. I have to finally see what I, what's going on, mm-hmm. um, get an outside perspective and a professional opinion about what is going on. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cut and dry here, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and, and to, again, we talk about the internalized ableism that we all, a lot of us mental health providers have. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, just because you have the knowledge and experience and, and expertise, you right. should be able to deal with anything on your own and not need help. Right, or whatever. Right, right. And that's just really not the case. And um, so for me, again, I don't like to ask for help, but you right. know, I was really, I was really struggling. I was really worried about, um, my ability to, to meet all my responsibilities. Um, and so, you know, it it was like too much was on the line. I, I had to ask for help. So it really kind of, um, and learning more about all the different ways it affects people. And, you know, there's something called rejection sensitive dysphoria, I think. And it just, both ADHD experience that any, you know, it's a very, um, just learning about like a lot of my own experiences are actually pretty common and how underdiagnosed ADHD is in girls and Mm -hmm. men. Um, and how, you know, I'm, you know, I think, you know, if other people, I won't name names or whatever, but then, you know, if they're male, they may look more like a tornado. Right. Right, But if you're a girl, you're more like a whirlpool. Like there's a lot of chaos going on, but but no one sees it. Right. right? And yeah. So just to actually be able to have a name for, for what I've been experiencing and actually get treatment. It's, it's really probably, um, I feel like I'm, I legitimately feel like I'm catching up on my life. I feel like, um, like just so many things make sense and that like, I'm actually like, okay, I can maybe actually do this. Like, you know, it it was, you know, for so often, for so long, it was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. And now it's like, I kind of have that, it was sort of a habit. Like, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle. Right. And then it's like, oh, I remember. I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> oh, wait, um, yeah. you got this, right? Like right. you actually do, like you can do this. <laughs> um, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's also been, um, something I, I just really can't believe I put off for so long. Right. Like, um, but you know, we're, well, I mean, it's, 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 a uh, it's instinct, I think, in human beings. I mean, it's the same yeah. reason why people drive around with their check engine light on for a year, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's right. a... like actually stopping and pausing and right. you know, like, uh, yeah. Um, and you know, yeah, I think everyone, we can talk about the mental health care system, but just mm-hmm. accessing mental health treatment and everything right. is not easy for a lot of us to do or either. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm um, on that note also, I, I feel compelled to mention, and even though this isn't directly tied to you, um, anybody in the state of Tennessee, um, there is a thing out there called mental health safety net. Right. Um, right. and mental health safety net is a program that if you are un, un or underemployed right. and you don't have any kind of insurance coverage that will mm-hmm. pay for, um, right. for counseling sessions, it will pay right. for, um, for medications um and uh 
yeah. medication monitoring, like going to see a professional about right. that to make sure. Right. That, and, and so, and it's completely uh, no costs right. to, to, to the consumer. So right. um, anyway, just some, yeah, something I know about. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and that, you know, I used to work with a lot of my clients, um, mm-hmm. access care through that program. Yeah, so yeah. it's a fantastic thing. Right. My mom was one of, was at uh, TCAD, the Commission on Aging and Disability, when they first uh, proposed and put that into place. So she was helpful with with that so so i know about that <laughs> through there but um but yeah, yeah. so um there are you, you know that's one thing i, sh- I should ask because you're you're the perfect person yeah. to talk to if there are people out there regardless of whether they have insurance or not or whether they're mm-hmm. self-employed or have a regular job or, or, or right. you know between jobs whatever the case may be yeah. um you know what are you know what are the first steps if they're having an issue and what are some mm-hmm. resources for them to be able to uh you know kind of take that first step to be able to get in and and take care of themselves. Right. Yeah. I will say if, you know, if you do have insurance, you do have access to a network of providers that way. Uh Um, And so contacting them, you call the customer service line. Um, A lot of um, the separate insurance companies will have registries and and Uh where you can like, you know, check out the person. Right. Right. Um, And even there's a lot of registries online specific to not just the broader ones, but specific to communities. So um, we actually have a couple lists on our website about these things um so mm-hmm. i can maybe even provide you with that because it's sure, just please, a lot yeah. of information that we've gathered but yeah we'll, we'll um, put the really, link in the description yeah great and um, the um one of the main ones especially for people that don't have insurance calling 211 um that's a great way to get a uh, link to local resources um 211 you said just to clarify yeah, that, that, okay yeah 211.org um, okay. as well so it's i think it's okay. kind of like yeah, it's it's a it's a nation national network to link people to local resources. So cool. there is help available. We understand there's not enough providers to go around. There's right. not enough um, uh, providers that are uh, the financial aspect of all of these things is mm-hmm. a significant barrier for people to get it any is. care. And yeah. so yeah, just to not um, don't give up, be persistent, and you'll eventually get to. Um, eventually get to somewhere that they will be able to help you cool yeah very very cool yeah. um so with psych hub you guys provide of course training and and different things mm-hmm. like that for providers and for the general public um mm-hmm. but do you guys provide any kind of like direct care at all or is that mm-hmm. okay i'm just nope. just curious i'm just asking i know okay. right yeah you we get yeah. asked that a lot because um yeah it's uh no not something that we do mm-hmm. okay yeah. well i'm um, just a free plug to a friend of mine his name's Corey carney he's a part owner in the um a program called everywhere care it's everywhere.care mm-hmm. it's a telemedicine platform but they've recently expanded to include mental health services as well mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. can actually like have a relationship with a uh, an lpc a licensed licensed practicing counselor yeah. um and be able to um the the, the service is like 30 or 40 dollars a month total mm-hmm. and that and you know and you don't pay co-pays or anything like gotcha. that and it's all yeah. remote it's through your phone or gotcha. through your computer yeah. but right. um but so there are programs there out are. there like that too like if you're right. you, if you don't want to leave the house or if you right. It, well, and also it's cost effective. So there yeah, are some yeah. things out there, but anyway, right, yeah. there's, there's a lot more resources yeah. out there than there used to be. And yeah, right, I think, right. um, telehealth is something that needs to stay. We need to be funding it. Um, providers need Agreed. to be compensated um, the same to motivate right. people to do these services that really yeah, do sure. actually get people care, meet them where mm-hmm. they are. It's very cool. It's a, um, 
It's an important thing. And, and, you know, don't, if you're one of those people too, that's out there thinking people are going to make fun of you because you might've given somebody a hard time or whatever, like, don't think that at all. There are people like Emily that are out there who do care. And of course there are privacy and confidentiality rules as well. Right. So it's not like you're going to call up their buddy and be like, he was just talking about you. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's not like that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's state and federal laws that we have to abide by and confidentiality and it's all part of the consent process, but um, Mm. yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, um, it, it's okay to sort of interview people and, you know, you may not, the the first therapist that you encounter may not be the right fit. Mm. Um, You don't really like, leave the session with a clear like um like sense that person really cares and has a, right. a plan for how they're going to help you and explains those things mm-hmm. um or doesn't answer your questions um or doesn't you just don't feel like there there's a connection that's okay right. you know um that there are um that we all understand i'm not going to connect with every person that i'm encounter i'm not going to be the best person and if I want, right. I sincerely want the best for anybody that I encounter, yeah, even course. if that means that they get care with somebody else, you know, right. um, I think that there's not the competition or whatever, right. uh, but I think people need to know that um, that relationship with you have with your therapist mm-hmm. is incredibly important and that, you know, it, it's okay to, to pre-screen uh, people and yeah, uh, an interview prior to actually scheduling that sure. first appointment. That's more than that's, mm-hmm. that is just fine. <laughs> I, I actually have a, uh, a, a, well, as I lovingly refer to a, her, a, a counselor lady <laughs> who actually specializes in, yeah. in like teenagers and adults on the spectrum, which has been right, a big yeah. help for me. It's yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so yeah. it's one of those things where I don't see her nearly as often as I used to, but it's still, <laughs> I, I feel like um, it's an important thing for everybody to know, like, like yeah. sometimes just having an objective third party and especially somebody who knows what they're doing exactly, <laughs> can, yeah. can a lot of time make such a big difference. Right. And that's why, you know, the need for, um, you know, we therapists are all sort of have been trained traditionally to be generalists and any, mm-hmm. anybody with any problem that walks through the door, you should be able to help them. And, right. and I think that we're understanding that, you know, there's, um, there's really a, a true need for specialized care. People need for to sure. No practice within their scope of uh, yes, ethical being as well right, to, right. to only treat the things that you're uh, equipped to treat. Um, but that really, you know, we, we need um, people that specialize in depression, or like you said, people on the right. autism spectrum yeah, that know yeah. those things. And um, I, I think mm-hmm. that's 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 where, I think that's where the field's finally going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is very yeah. cool. I mean, it's good to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, medicine's been like that for years, but for some reason, right? But mental health yeah. again, it's like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, we are sort of, um, again, there's so many ways that it's been neglected um, mm-hmm. and not, you know, shared with the public or not developed like in our own, you know, field, right. you know, we have a long way to go to, to getting our own act together, right. I think. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, I, I can't remember who said it, but something I heard recently really stuck with me. They said mental health is health. Yeah, you know, right. Like, <laughs> mental right. health is still health. Like, if you want right. to be right. like healthy, happy, all that kind of stuff, right. like your brain has to be just as in good a shape as everything else. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And then it's not just a, it's not a one way street. You know, you can't thoughts right. and emotions. Um, you know, our bodies are so connected to our brains and vice versa. Um, you know, and I think that for so long we as society just have sort of prioritized the cognitive that part and neglected our right. emotional experiences which are mm-hmm. real which are yeah. informing our cognitive processes Agreed. right and yeah. so 
um, actually taking care of your emotional health is taking care of your physical health. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Which is just important to know, but people and <laughs> people forget yeah. Right, right, well, yeah so um so again the whole the whole concept with the power of weird and this is always my elevator pitch to anybody that i i want to come on is is you know we uh it, i'm always looking for people who march the beat of a different drum and they live their best lives because of it and of course you definitely mm -hmm. fit that mold but what people don't necessarily realize is you know i've seen you done up in your black lipstick and your <laughs> you know your goth attire going yeah. to concerts and that yeah. kind of stuff people don't necessarily you know if they look you up now they're going to find of course your pretty picture on psych hub and all that kind of but then they may not necessarily realize that you really do do your own thing i mean you you um you know on the surface you know for, for you guys that can't see emily emily is a beautiful young woman she always has been with a big smile and always you know kind eyes all this kind of stuff a very supportive person that anybody and everybody would be lucky to call a friend for sure but you wouldn't necessarily you know when you look at her you might think pumpkin, pumpkin spice you don't necessarily think like death tones metallica uh, you know i mean so, uh, uh, metallic hailstorm metallica um you know uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> never a big deftones fan not that cool oh fair um, enough sure sure you yeah. know you know but yeah i think um that's, <laughs> and that's something that i think i've always been that's always been a part like yeah it's always been true but i right. really leaned into it in the last couple of years really like, okay life is short you know if i um want to wear a band shirt i'm gonna wear a band shirt sure um if i want to color my hair purple i'm gonna do that you Heck know yeah, i think yeah. it's just life is short it's too short to not be yourself it really um, is you know and so. that's, i want that for everybody to just feel like you, we can create a world where people just get to be themselves and be right. accepted and valued for who they really are, no matter where they're coming from, what they look like, um, yeah. you know, what they've been through. Um, yeah, everybody really matters and everybody yeah. should Agreed. get to be themselves. I actually, we had a family member commit suicide a few years ago. Um, somebody who, um, up in, um, you know, the north and northern part of West Virginia, where a lot of my family's from, you know, a lot of the, that's one place that, that where the opioid epidemics hit really hard. Right. A lot of factory jobs have shut down, and, and some people they just get to the point where their world's falling apart. And mm -hmm. and I can, and you know. I've never had a, an attempt before, mm -hmm. which really we, we shouldn't use that terminology for, right, for suicide, yeah. but, um, but there were days working my last nine to five job where my, and it's, it's documented well, <laughs> um, what I'm about to say, my supervisor was not, it, it, worst case scenario, let's give her the most credit possible and say she just didn't like me, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it was, there were it was pretty much an everyday occurrence where I would leave my job and even though I felt strongly about what I was doing and felt like it was important work I felt like nothing else there was going any which way that it should have mm -hmm. and you know you know very well the trek on Riverside Drive I would go from Centerstone up by Austin P drive down and I would go down to Liberty Park just to kind of sit and look at the water to help myself relax and every single time I would do that the thought would go through my head of you know all I have to do is cut the wheel real hard and I can just go in the river and be done and yeah. the, and you know and that's one of those things I try to keep a positive attitude I try to right. be a positive force in the world for people you know mm -hmm. most people that know me 
you know, despite the fact that I'm kind of crazy, <laughs> they also, they know me as somebody who is positive and who always has a smile and something nice to say. And cause I, I sincerely mm-hmm. care. And, right, but, right. but it's one of those things where it doesn't, all that stuff doesn't necessarily matter. Like, you know, at the end of the day, right. sometimes you feel really alone and right, you right. just don't know what to do. And right. I was so close so mm-hmm. many times. to so literally just mm-hmm. cutting the wheel in the car and just going and, and, um, and I don't say that for sympathy. I don't say that for pity or any kind of crap mm-hmm. like that. I say that because like, understand, like people need mm-hmm. to understand, like, you know, and I was a mental health professional at that point in mm-hmm. charge of and working with other people, you right, know, right, and yeah. I still was at that point. Right. Um, so it's important that people know, like, A, you know, this does happen. This right. happens to lots of different kinds of people. And right. B, right. you know, it, it can happen to you just as easily. And it's important right. just to remember that in this world, there are people that you matter to and people that you make a difference for and um and you know even if you think you're completely down and out there's always somebody who's looking at you from a distance that you mean something to and 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 even if even though you really should do it for yourself to stick around but worst case scenario think about everybody that would be impacted if something happened to you so anyway yeah i'm sorry that you experienced that but i think that you know you're right um and that's why preventative education is so important. Mm -hmm. So again, anybody is vulnerable to experiencing a suicidal crisis. I think, you know, if the the, um, circumstances are right. And so that's why people need to know that, you know, these are the warning signs. This is what you're experiencing and that it will pass, right? That, you know, there are brighter days ahead, that this Mm -hmm. is a temporary thing and that you deserve support and that things can get better um, and to not expect yourself to, to go right. through those things alone um, and to know that there are to know what resources are out there resources are out there yeah. um, and so I think again that's why education and public awareness um, is so important because the people understand what's happening to them or they understand what's happening to someone that they love and care about yeah, yeah. then they can get through it you know right. um but if people are sort of left alone mm-hmm. um it can be really easy to to listen to those you know those depressed thoughts or right. you know those dark feelings that people are having and feel like this is how it's always going to be and that's just really not not true that sure. people don't people that experience um suicidal um thoughts mm-hmm. or you know um ideations you know they they do you know even people that have survived um um, attempts they you know they 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 go on to say you know um this did pass i think did get better you know i really want anyone else dealing with this to to have that hope for them their future self as well you know so i I, um i don't i'm sure you know who this is i don't remember the guy's name but i heard him speak once um he jumped off of the uh golden gate bridge kevin Hines. yes 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 yes, yes. okay yes. so um, we actually did a video with him like he's um, wow okay yeah yeah we worked with him to um i think he shares his experience in one of our our suicidal behavior cognitive course 
Um, but yeah, we have a couple interviews uh, with him on our YouTube mm-hmm. channel. He's amazing. Um, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for folks that don't know about this fellow, basically the long and short of it is he decided one day that he was just done and he yeah. took a two or he took a taxi ca- or a bus and then a cab. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, or something, took public transportation Mm -hmm. from his home to the Golden Gate Bridge, was crying his eyes out the entire time because he didn't want to do it. And all it would have taken to, he says, to to, to stop him was somebody just stepping up and saying, hey, man, you okay? You know, you know, what's going on? Do you need somebody to talk to? And and he, nobody in that whole time, you know, people got away from him on the bus. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. You know, at one point, if I remember correctly, they even like put him off the bus because he was bothering people and then yeah and then he he jumped and and he said the minute that he was in free fall he knew that he made a mistake but you know but unfortunately he survived he didn't you know die hitting the water which is amazing in itself Um, and then the seal kind of like there was a seal that kind of helped support him because he sustained injuries you know probably you know couldn't have swam and survived Mm -hmm. at himself on his own yeah so yeah um and unfortunately you know too many people are you know we're just losing too many people um to this because um like you know i think we both you know lost people um have been affected by the loss of people so yeah yeah i think it just again that extension of kindness that empathy um and showing just being you know being a, a force for good in the world you know it, you may not know what impact you're having right. on that person um you don't necessarily have to have all the answers or right answers right. just to show up and show show kindness um yeah. is what um, we need to see a lot more of the the reason why i brought his story up is i have a personal friend who is um who is retired from the army in clarksville mm-hmm. um he is much on the, very much on the opposite side of the spectrum politically for me he's very conservative and and uh you know but he at the same time is one of those people who i absolutely adore because he treats people well it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who they are he's just very good to people and yeah. he was going through a bad divorce and was at his like rental house up the road from his old house not being able to like see his kids all the time was absolutely killing him and um he's told me the story of you know he was he called a friend of his and said you know hey what are you doing whatever and then um the friend said you know they were busy or whatever and he was like oh well don't worry about it and then he was going outside to get in his car and he was going to go and shoot himself Mm -hmm. and that friend who he had called on the phone who had other plans rearranged things and rolled up into the parking lot behind his car he said or in, in the driveway behind his car and said you know hey man what's up like get inside man grab me a beer or whatever mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. guy taking the time to go over and see his buddy right. saved right. his life like like right. that straight up saved his life because right. he was there he you know he had a plan he had a had a way to pull it off he had everything right. in line and um you know and the, the, that one small act of kindness saved his life and this is somebody who contributes so much good to the world and it would have been such a tragedy to not have this person around and um so i guess my thought is you know it doesn't take much to be able to make a difference right 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 absolutely so i mean it's if so if somebody uh 
you know, if somebody is seeing a friend or family member mm-hmm. or some, somebody they work with or whatever, showing mm-hmm. some of the signs of, you know, they might be having some issues. Right. Um, what are some steps that they can take to be able to be supportive and to, you know, right. be an ally, be somebody who can, you know, be a resource and, right. and someone who can help, you know, help get them where they need to go as far as, you know, help goes. Right. Um, I think one of the most important things people need to know, if you do um, suspect that someone might be a risk of suicide, to specifically ask them to not beat around the bush, to not say, hey, you're not thinking about doing anything bad, are you? That's a leading question. Yeah. Um, That's sort of like leading them to, hey, I don't really want to talk about this. I don't really want to hear what you have Mm. to say, but to ask them. Yeah, yeah. Are you having thoughts of killing yourself? Are you, do you have, are you thinking about dying? Are you thinking about how you would do this? Uh-huh. Um, and I would recommend the, um, the Columbia suicide uh, screen CSSRS um, mm-hmm. for people to know that, to keep a, like take a screenshot of it, keep it on your phone sure. and it will guide you through all of the questions that you need to know and to need to ask somebody and what to do. Um, because don't expect yourself to, to be able to, just do that and, and also fly even as trained right. professionals you know those, those situations right. are stressful because oh, yeah. you recognize like what's at stake here is some, potentially right. someone's life so not being afraid to ask people explicitly like are you thinking about killing yourself right. like i need to know like because i i care about you right um and then again getting some training that's why we have training on these things but right um but to, to educate yourself on what to do next how to get people right um to where they need to go and then the answer is not always calling 911 um oh, sure, yeah. um we you know want to make that very clear that mm-hmm. um people in a mental health crisis we want to make sure that they get the right kind of support and unless someone is an active danger to themselves or others right. there's a way to to get them some some help and some support right um in in a way that's not so potentially you know diff, di- that can be a very difficult experience yeah. for people if they need need that um safety safe environment that's one thing mm-hmm. but a lot of the people just need you know hey Let's talk about this. Let's get safety right. plan in place. Let's get you, let's call this number. Let's get you set up with a therapist. Let's, um, you know, check in on you. I'm going to stay with you and make sure that right. you're okay. That kind of thing. Um, you know, I think that um, that's really getting people to the right kind of support and care is, is, is important things for all of us to know. That's a, it, 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 it just, it's making me almost want to tear up. Like it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. so important. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, Dr. King had a quote, I, I don't remember it exactly. So forgive me for butchering it, but it's something to the effect of that, um, that the, the true evil is when good people stand by and do nothing, you know, right, right, and yeah. it's kind of that kind of thing where it's, it's not necessarily, it's not evil, but it's definitely apathetic. Mm-hmm. Like it, it mm-hmm. doesn't take a lot to, right you know, to be there for somebody. And um, and I think a lot of people, again, that's why education is so important is I think a lot of people just didn't know, like Mm -hmm. they didn't know any better. Um, But now we are all, um, you know, living in an age of information. And I think the, you know, the, the the burden is really on us to make sure that we all are aware of these things and have the the tools that we need to support Mm -hmm. other people. Um, and to not just take responsibility for yourself, but also 
you know, recognizing that that responsibility extends to the people around us, um, that we need people to take care of us. And we have Mm -hmm. um, the responsibility to take care of those around us as well. Well, and one thing just to mention too, that I feel strongly about it. And, you know, you as the professional can, of course, validate or, and, or, you know, (laughs) argue against, Um, but mental health is not something that it, it doesn't pay attention to party lines. It's not right, exclusive right. to one group or another. No, having no. trouble, having, you know, what, what, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be is not right. the exclusive domain of any one particular group. Right, uh, right, um, yeah. No, absolutely. It doesn't um, care how smart you are. It doesn't care right. how, you know, nice the life you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen people that are, you know, exceptionally wealthy or exceptionally sure. um, successful, um, but are really dealing with some very difficult things and mm-hmm. so it's not a matter of you know it's never a choice it's it's right. all it like no one chooses to have um to to have high blood pressure you know right. um it, it it's such a um, mental health is health yeah health is health. it's just <laughs> yeah. it just again it just blows the mind that we're still kind of stuck here of like recognizing that right um you know, we're all not all normal and perfect all of the time. You know, why right. is that such a, um, you know, why is it, I don't know. Why is it like, <laughs> we're, where, it, yeah, it, I really just can't even like, like, oh, we're still explaining this, you know, right, um, right, it right. just seems so like, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, you know, I mean, I like, I know a lot of people that are psychiatrists or therapists and you know we are humans too and so I think um by more people sharing their experiences more people that are successful or you know um pretty high functioning or whatever dealing with these things just because you are able to keep a job or you know live a pretty good life um you know that definition of you know who gets a diagnosis or who deserves help um, I think, you know, we've got to break down those barriers. If you're dealing, if you're struggling, if you're dealing with um, mental health or substance use or thoughts of suicide, you deserve help. Just full stop. Right. I don't care how great everything else is going on around you. Right. Or, um, you know, we all deserve, we all deserve help and support. I'm sorry. I'm just, it's, I'm not often at a loss for words. I'm sure you remember that about me, but, um, but that's, it's just, it's very true. It's, it needs to sink into people like it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am, I don't know how much you've paid close attention as far as the stuff that's happened with me the last few years, but I was, you know, I moved back to Clarksville. I was engaged for four and a half years to an amazing woman. And um, she passed away a few years ago. She was a, uh, she was adopted, had a really difficult childhood and she in turn turned around and became a school counselor and worked in an underserved low-income community and and was always doing for others what never was done for her taking care of these kids and um one of her favorite quotes was you know it's one attributed to gandhi it's the be the change you want to see in the world Mm -hmm. and so i kind of in honor of her memory and also just because i like it as well and wanted to kind of co-opt it for my own i'm asking everybody um you know to to, what's the to be the weird you want to see in the world like like that you know be the poster child for it own it and you know um but so for you what weird do you want to see in the world Mm. yeah I think I just want you know again I really want everybody to feel like they can just be themselves like if you like 
this kind of music, or if you want to dye your hair this color, if you're this tall or your body is this big or whatever, (laughs) you believe this or you, you know, that, um, I really just want everybody to feel like they have value, like full stop, like that they matter. Um, and that they don't have to conform to the sense of like, Oh, you need to be this normal, perfect person, um, in order to receive acceptance or to Mm -hmm. actually be able to survive in this world. Um, that's what I want is just for people to, to be able to be themselves and people can do that. Then like, then, you know, we all benefit, we all get, art, music, um, you know, uh, technology, you know, when people are able to Mm -hmm. be their happy, healthy selves and are actually empowered and have resources, um, they, they can do really awesome things. Yeah. yeah. Now I feel really, really dumb because we've had this wonderful conversation. I completely spaced on the fact Emily is an amazing artist, people like amazing, amazing artists. Some of the stuff that she has done is absolutely breathtaking. And, um, you know, every, if not office in the world, every home should have like an original Emily St. Amant, um, you know, painting or something like that. Um, I feel really bad (laughs) for not mentioning that because it's such a, well, it's a, it's a, such a big part of who you are. And, and, and it truly is an amazing Mm -hmm. talent. I mean, I'm somebody who can make things look good on a computer as far as, you know, brand design type stuff, but oh. See, uh, I can't it, do that. So. We'll see, but yeah, but I, I can't draw, paint, anything. Oh, it, yeah. it, it, it turns out a hot mess. And you yeah. make just these beautiful things. I mean, thank you. Uh, yeah. Anybody who brings beauty and positivity and joy mm-hmm. to the world is somebody yeah. that I will admire till the day I die because yeah. not people don't do that enough. They put right. negativity out and they put crap and they put you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> rubbish is a friend of mine was saying the other day, and that's not a word we use much, but it's, you know, they put all that out there. Somebody right. who helps people, who listens, who is kind, who has a smile for everybody and creates these beautiful works of art that really make the world around you a brighter, more positive and more beautiful place. That's something that is rare. And it's something that is it, it, it should be recognized so i want to at least throw that out there that's super important oh, um so yeah you. thank you're you you're very well it, that. you know thank i should be thanking you i'm the one who gets to see stuff on facebook occasionally and stuff's gorgeous uh thank you <laughs> but, yeah uh, i need yeah. to i need to get back to it it's been you know i think um that's one of the things that's sort of neglected and in, in all the kind of chaos sure. that of of the world and like you mm-hmm. know personally like a lot going on so um yeah but yeah. I think the excuse um, of if I was at home more often I would get it done is, is no longer applicable it's after not COVID. it's not but it's also you know I think I've kind of that's another thing I've really wrestled with is that like expectation of just because you can do something like we don't need to turn people's like gifts into like more responsibility and I think agreed, that for agreed, so long yeah. I was sort of doing that to myself I was like yeah. I don't have a painting if I don't do a painting a week I'm failing and like what that did to me like that was like I was sort of torturing myself and like sure. taking this thing that should be a source of joy right and like basically like that maybe capitalist expectation that I need to make <laughs> lots of money off of it or whatever right. instead of just yeah it's okay to just do what you love and do right. it do when it you, you want to right. do yeah. it and when you're when you can do it too oh, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I think anybody creative can kind of 
understand that yeah. struggle, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you do those like sip and stroke parties where people like um, they drink wine and paint like a still life or whatever? No, I've never done no. that. Never, oh man. No. Those we seem like do, the, Yeah, we did do, yeah. I kind of taught some of my friends how to make the like acrylic flow mm-hmm. paintings. That was a lot of oh, fun. That's cool. we, made, yeah. we, made, we made a mess and it was fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So I am going to say this for everybody loud and proud to hear the stuff that Psychub is doing right now is absolutely wonderful um they, they've got a very well-rounded approach and they don't just want mental health professionals they want to they have an ally certification mm-hmm. right um yeah. where where yeah. regular everyday you know folks can go and be able to learn more about all these different things that we're talking about right. and and that's something that can make a really 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 big difference a little knowledge goes a long way absolutely. and so anybody and everybody that's out there needs to stop what they're doing well as soon as this is over that is uh, stop what they're doing and go check out psych hub and you know do some research into the um in, into that certification because that's a big deal yeah, um, we kind of did the work for people like what people mm-hmm. need to know and um, right yeah, right yeah yeah. which is yeah i mean it's absolutely wonderful and i can say this much knowing emily as long as i have um nothing that she touches is ever not worthwhile so it's it's um it's one of those things that you're definitely going to find a lot of value in um again doesn't matter you know what your what race you are what gender doesn't matter what political party you're in everybody needs to know this stuff so please 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 go and check it out pay attention to it know what's going on um now emily if if folks want to uh, reach out to you to ask more questions or if they're curious Mm -hmm. about psych hub or anything like that Mm -hmm. um how can people find you and how can they get a hold of you guys yeah um you know website's pretty easy to find psychhub.com and we also have a youtube channel and um pretty active social accounts and then i'm personally also pretty active on several socials um instagram and twitter i'm emily the saints um (laughs) uh, most active i I love twitter um i've kind of gotten into like therapist twitter and um, it's just a really cool place Um, that's very cool yeah all right well awesome so um all of those links are going to be down in the description below for everybody who's listening um one more time i just want to thank you again for being here emily it's really good to 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 see your smiling face and to hear your voice and um thank you so much there's there's every single person that has come on are, are, like I said, it's people I love and cherish and greatly admire and, and really look up to. And what you have done is nothing short of spectacular. And um, I'm super proud of you too. So um, all right, everybody. Well, this has been the power of weird with our specially guests or with our special guest, (laughs) Emily St. And we will see you guys next time on the power of weird. Thank you for listening to the power of weird. This episode was brought to you by the Rosemary Run Novel Series, published by Standards of Starlight Books. Follow the women of Rosemary Run, California, as they face the darkness hiding beneath their community's picturesque facade. Find more about the Rosemary Run series, as well as other Standards of Starlight novels, at standardsofstarlight.com, or by following the link in the description below. Make sure to stay tuned for more of my story, as well as great interviews with amazing weird people. And remember, be the weird you want to see in the world. We'll see you next time on The Power of Weird.